Star Tribune's Prep Sports Podcast is brought to you by Becker Furniture World, Franzen Bank and Trust, Menards, and Carrier. And welcome back to the Star Tribune's Talking Preps Podcast. I'm David Levake on a glorious two, uh, Wednesday uh, in the Twin Cities with Jim Paulson. How are you doing, Jim? Doing well. A little bit groggy after being up uh, late, like most of us were, I think, uh, watching the uh, election returns, but doing fine. I treated last night like the World Series when it's two teams I don't care about, which if you're someone that lives in Minnesota, that's often the case. And I just thought, you know what, I'm going to go to bed at, at my usual and I'll get up in the morning and get caught up on what I might have missed. And when I got up this morning, it doesn't look like I missed a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, very good. Well, uh, we have uh, another uh, guest today, special guest, Aaron Burnt, the uh, boys track and field coach at Wyzetta High School. And one of the people that had a, a hand in putting on the, uh, the uh, TC Cross Country Showcase, uh, which was last weekend out in Atwater, Minnesota. It was a, a culminating event that was offered um, to student, to, to, to cross country runners uh, throughout the state uh, as a way to uh, give them an opportunity. It's kind of a hybrid sort of state meet-ish field and, 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 and run in a format that's similar to like Nike cross regionals, uh, but, but just a really an opportunity for those kids to close their, their high school seasons and in some cases careers out with one last meet um, and rather than just sort of, well, you, you're, you reached sections and now you're done. And so, uh, Aaron, welcome. Yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, I'm glad I could come on here and help you fill a, uh, um, you know, a low news day the day after the election. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this, is, uh, this is big because, and we'll get to this, I, I think that your meet, if you couple it with last spring, we had the senior showcase for golf. We had a uh, summer uh playoff uh, summer tournament for uh, baseball players this is the the latest in a string of events that have gone outside the minnesota state high school league's purview ever since the league you know first canceled spring sports in their entirety then allowed fall sports but did not allow any competition past the section uh round of of the playoffs so no state events whether they're meets or tournaments uh, i think this is a, a really important uh, next step and, and uh, let's start with um, your role and 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 in, and the, in the creation and and uh, your impressions of, of how the the two-day event went last weekend yeah absolutely um, kind of I, I suppose I should start with how it came about I think before how I got involved um, one thing I think a lot of people need to understand and David you mentioned it is is modeled after our uh, Nike cross-country series that is put on Oh, for at least about the last 15 years. Um, and in that series is a, uh, a level of meets, both a regional and a national uh, cross-country meets where school teams no longer compete for their school, but now are on club teams. And the club teams are mixed of kids that they happen to go to the same school as. Um, but how this meet came about was a number of months ago, uh, there's discussions among cross-country coaches with, throughout the state that have been trying to figure out how can they put on a safe, how can they work with the high school league to put on a, a safe and uh, meaningful championship meet. Um, as it progressed, um, obviously the high school league 
uh, working with the information that they had at the time, um, decided not to go ahead with those culminating events. Um, when uh, this meet really got put together in my hands was after the high school league meets were not gonna happen at the state level, um, they got pushed off into the club, um, club coaches. And I, I don't coach cross country. Um, I used to coach cross country uh, up until about eight years ago. Um, but where I get involved is that they need to have non-high school coaches organize this meet. Uh, we followed everything that we knew we had to follow in keeping the eligibility and following by the high school league rules of non-contact. So it gets put on to mostly retired coaches and any other people within the running community that were willing to help out to put on a championship level meet um, as best as we could. Um, so the blueprint was already there. We just needed the hands to help to put it to, to put all the all the uh, specifics together for the meet, and that's essentially how it how it came about. And it was a two day event. The big schools competed on uh, Friday, uh, kind of similar to what we would know as Class Two A in in the varsity high school league world, and then the the smaller schools, what we would typically call the One A, they competed on Saturday. And uh, how was how did the meet go as far as you know the logistics and, and carrying it off? Cross country people are generally the best and brightest among us. Did, did they live up to their reputation? Yeah, I uh, reflecting back, I, you know, we had a, a couple of text exchanges and email exchanges with the people that uh, that were involved in putting it on, and I think we all agreed it went well beyond any of our expectations. Um, I most people that we heard back from, and by most, I don't know if I heard of a single person that that was was not satisfied with the meet organization uh, especially the guidelines that we followed in the in the era of this pandemic um, you're right david it, being that it was over two days um traditionally the state high school league meet is is over obviously just one day at st ola um we spread it out in following the uh, department of health guidelines where we had five waves per gender per class or per classification five waves of four teams at a time. Uh, They're spread out 40 minutes apart. And then we had a final wave for each gender, each classification of just individuals that were not on a qualifying team. So it was, it's not still the, this mass start of 176 runners you see at the state high school league meet, uh, but it was the first time that we had all season long of the top cross country runners, top cross country teams competing on the same course on the same day and have all of their results merged together. Um, where we had a lot of uh, the organization of this meet um, had to be uh, exemplary just to be able to logistically have this go on without having waves come to contact with each other and to have fans come in contact with each other and to have everybody follow the COVID guidelines, which we were um, obviously expected to follow 100% of the time. Aaron, if you don't mind by asking real quick here, it's Jim Paulson. Yep. Um, one thing I wanted to ask is one part of the high school league's um, reluctance to have state tournaments is not just the Department of Health uh, guideline, but there's also a financial aspect as well. And then yeah. in terms of bringing money in or any money that they, that they haven't been bringing in recently, was it difficult to put together from a financial standpoint? Um, no, I don't think so, Jim. And I think part of that is, uh, again, that Nike series where, where teams are used to paying to get into it. Um, our, our budget for the meet, all said and done, uh, you know, rental, of course, rental porta potties, medics, um, 
you know, everything everything that we needed, including you know timers, registration, was probably in a ballpark of ten thousand five hundred to about eleven thousand. And what we did was all the clubs that registered, um, they all paid one hundred fifty dollars to register. Uh, the individuals paid twenty dollars, and we raised ten thousand. And look at my numbers here: ten thousand four hundred and ninety dollars to pay that off. Uh, now, granted, that's going to be a lot smaller number than than you know, the high school league is going to use because we were able to utilize a number of sponsorships. Um, TC Running went out of their way to help us organize and put on this meet. Um, I can't say enough. For, I cannot cannot say enough about Anna Lindahl and the staff at TC Running um, and just the volunteer hours that they put in. Um, and they were able to secure a number of um, companies to help us out. Um, Saucony donated, I think, 200 feet of finish line shoot. Uh, they donated face masks for all the kids. Um, so there was a financial piece that, you know, really even a week prior, we were like, where's this money going to be coming from? Because if we didn't cover it, it's coming out of our own pockets. Um, that, was, that was something that we were able to do by having each team and each individual chip in for that cost. You know, I'd mentioned before about whether or not this could be a blueprint. Now, cross country is, is different than basketball, different than hockey. But as you get into the winter sports season, I know the high school league is, is talked about looking at the winter sports tournaments differently and not just saying no to them because they said no to fall. But if it comes to uh, a, an individual sport having to put something together um, for, in terms of a culminating event, Sounds like they need to set a budget. Sounds like they need to get some uh, partners involved in terms of sponsoring. Sounds like they need volunteers. <clears throat> Excuse me. What else goes into pulling off of a, a successful event, regardless of, of the actual specific sport? Well, from my experience, and this is both as, you know, as, a, as a classroom teacher and as a coach, you know, and I coach my son in his youth sports right now as well. The kids, the kids want the competition. Um, the kids are willing to do what is necessary to have these competitions. Um, they're willing to, you know, they're willing to keep the distance from other teams. They're willing to wear face masks when it's required. They're willing to, you know, all the things that we asked them to do. Um, the hardest thing, which we looked at it was, what about the masses of people that want to come watch? Uh, you know, I, I even see it here, whenever schools host football games, it's not necessarily the people on the field or in the stands, it's the people, you know, surrounding the, the gates and the, and, the, and the fences trying to get in and, you lose that social distance aspect of it. So, and to put it on this event, that was our probably biggest concern is what do you do about masses of people and will they follow the rules um, or guidelines that are absolutely necessary when you're trying to put on a state level competition during a pandemic. Um, so, and I do think, David, you mentioned about cross country being the best and the brightest, which um, I wholeheartedly agree with you. Um, you know, to a great extent, because uh, what I've seen with this group um, is that the parents typically are very supportive of this. Of, they know the hard work, obviously all sports, all, all activities put in the hard work. Um, but they have been accustomed to these policies all season long. And, and they came through and, and for the most part, by and large, followed them on that Friday and Saturday last week. Very good. Jim, anything else? No, I think that's it. I mean, um, one thing I want to ask uh, Aaron is um, about the quality of the competition. There, would you say the competition and the, the runners that you had at this meet uh, rivaled everything that you could have found at the state high school meet? 
and I, again, the meat is a different animal, obviously, but did you, do you think you had, it was quality representation for the meat that you had? Yeah, I was uh, really, really happy with the teams that, that came uh, and kind of tell you how that process even went. What we did is, you know, we didn't take just section results. Um, that's again, that's one of the high schools. We don't want to get into the, we don't want to get into the process of, of getting into um, using Minnesota State High School League meets for qualification. But what we did do was we looked at each region or each section and saw who were the top teams throughout the season. We invited them and any teams which were um, in state rankings put up by the coaches association throughout the season. Um, if you do look at section results from, uh, from across the state, you know, I'm gonna look at AA because that's, that's the schools that I was, or the large schools that I was in, you know, in charge of, of, of inviting and, and organizing. Of the first and second place teams, I think we had 14 of the boys and 14 of the girls. And then we filled it up, uh, I think of the top 15 teams that were ranked in final coaches association poll, 14 of them were there. Um, and so for, for double A, for the double A or large schools, by and large, the top teams were all there. Um, it was a little bit different in the smaller schools. Um, and I personally think th the reason for that is that was a lot more common in smaller schools that you would have maybe a kid that went out for football or went out for volleyball, typically, since they didn't have that season, they went out for cross country. And by this time, this meet rolled around, they're already back in their football and volleyball team. So it wasn't, there was, um, I think there was 25 uh, small school teams there compared to the 40 uh, large school teams there. So to answer your question, Jim, were the best teams there? I think so. Yeah, they were. Now one, one last thing I wanted to throw at you, Aaron. So we're recording this on Wednesday. Your meet took place last Friday and Saturday. It's been a couple of days now. Have you heard from anyone from the Minnesota State High School League that asked about what went well and how you managed to pull it off and, and adhere to the uh, guidelines regarding uh, COVID-19? Has there been any interest from the high school league to, to learn what they could from, from the best practices that you were able to put out there? You know, I, I haven't personally, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to fault the high school league on that. Um, because I, I know that, you know, I, I have a good, at least I feel I have a good working relationship uh, with the high school league as, as you know, I'm the president of the track and field coaches association right now. Um, and I think, um, I think going forward, will I have those conversations? I think so. Um, I think they'll come up just in my regular meetings that I have with them. But like you said, David, it's only been a couple of days, so I'm not, I'm not going to fault anyone on, on anything like that just yet. Sure. Very good. Uh, Jim, unless there's anything we missed. No, I think that's Aaron. great. A lot of great information. And it's a, it's nice to see that something like this is actually pulled off and done well and done right. And that it can be done. I think that's, that's, that's a nice template to have. So yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh -huh. I think so too. I appreciate that. And there's, there's been a lot of comments from the, from the, the kids and the coaches and parents about how appreciated they were to have, you know, obviously we're not in a normal life right now, but at least some things which they're able to still be able to have and have that championship, meaningful championship end of season um, event. Well, Aaron, we're equally appreciative that you came on today during your prep hour, giving us a little time. Uh, so go have the sandwich or whatever you do, and <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll be do. sure to talk, we'll, we'll talk, look forward to future conversations on all things track and field, and and uh, all the best to you, sir. Yep, thanks for having me on, guys. Good to have you here, Aaron. Yep. Well, Jim, we uh, we talked about. Uh, Trans transitioning rather off of this discussion to uh, I think very fitting 
next topic, which was the story that that ran yesterday in the Star Tribune, where uh, we, we kind of mixed up a a batch of of getting people caught up on what's been happening locally with the decision making and the the uh, fallout of of no fall sports state tournaments, and we brought some national perspective, and then we also looked ahead to how will or not the fall decisions uh, start to influence and inform what the high school league is going to do with uh, winter state tournaments. Uh, where, where do you want to jump in on this uh, very important uh, topic with a lot of tentacles? Well, I think the first thing that we need to be uh, cognizant of when talking about state tournaments down the road looking forward is uh, the nature of where the COVID virus is right now. And are we in a area, an era of um, increased spread and is the virus um, you know, hitting people harder than it was at the time. That's something that's always got to be out there. That's in the back of your mind with everything that's going on. Uh, what was it that I heard? Paul Cloudy, you had uh, sent me a, sent us an email that Pine Island has canceled their final, their rest of the football season because of COVID. And as, as the, the numbers continue to rise, are we going to get more of that? And how is that going to cloud anything moving ahead in the future? Um, I do think this is important to know that state tournaments can be done can be done successfully and can be done without all the pomp and circumstance that uh, go along with state tournaments um, and what the priorities are um, to, to actually get a good final final event at the end of the season, kind of make it worthwhile, make it feel like the kids actually accomplished something. I, there, there's some people that think that state tournaments are useless. There's some people that think that we don't need sports. Um, I'm happen to not be one of them. I think, Sports, well, there's a lot of lessons to be learned. I think sports keep kids engaged in school more than anything else they have. Um, and we've already heard horror stories about a hybrid or distance learning where kids are not engaged in their schools and their, their, their distance, obviously, and they're being distant from their school as well, and, and it's not going well. So I, I think it's imperative more than anything that we have a, a sports and athletics and co-curriculars and along those lines, also tournaments at the end of the season to wrap it up and really put a ball on a season. So that's, that's kind of my view on where we are with state tournaments. I think that um, whether you are of the mindset that, that state tournaments signal priorities out of whack or whether you're of the mindset that come hell or high water, there should be state tournaments. I think you have to be encouraged that the high school league is at least going to take winter sports uh, sort of on its own merits and in terms of where we are, as you mentioned, with, with numbers and, and COVID-19, um, where we are with the, the desires of, of the coaches and the, and the, you know, I think that just they're, they're not just going to rubber stamp and say, nope, no, no winter tournaments either. I, I like that they're at least having the conversation. I like that somebody like the Anoka Hennepin School District is pushing back and saying, you know, we may be, uh, you know, over some metric for numbers in the county uh, or one of our counties, but we're not seeing that reflected in our school building. And so we, we are resisting the idea of having to shut everything down. Um, I, I like that, that people are really taking a much more nuanced look and are really uh, digging into the numbers and, and really expressing a, a, a overall philosophy of how do we live with this more effectively than what I think was appropriate back in March, which was 
close it down? How do we protect ourselves? I think that you can look at this now and say, how do we live with this safely and appropriately? And, and, I, and I'm glad that, that the conversations are at least happening or the mindset of the high school league decision makers is at least let's look at uh, this is our new reality. How do we exist with it rather than how do we always run from it? Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that uh, as you get further into this, um, it, you find ways to live with it. You find ways to tolerate. You find different data and different metrics in which you can um, extrapolate and see how we can tolerate these sorts of things. I have been hearing, and what I'm going to say now is all anecdotal. I don't have any specifics to back this up, but I've been hearing numerous reports that uh, there's less, very little uh, data, very little proof that some of the spread of the virus is happening on the athletic field and that it's happening in, in other areas, locker rooms, friends, fans, things like that. So um, uh, that's something that uh, we should be cognizant of and we should take note of if the athletics and the, the competition themselves are actually becoming super spreaders or if they're not, that's something that we need to be aware of when we talk about how we should approach the uh, state tournaments and just the rest of the season itself. Um, so it, yeah, it's little yeah. things like that that we're all figuring out and then we're all, you know, there's obviously the need to, to be safe, um, but also the need to actually continue on and, and, uh, and, do what you can to continue to have a season that's important to kids. It really is. We'll wrap up the recording of this right around noon, <clears throat> excuse me, on Wednesday, one o'clock Wednesday, uh, the first return to participation task force meeting is going on. Uh, they had taken a few weeks off and, um, and that, that starts up anew. And I'll be very interested to, to hear how they are starting to uh, reconsider the environment right now uh, because you know one of the things that I, I, I teased to it but I didn't come back to it that I was really surprised to see we, we took this from the National Federation of High School so state high school associations there were 35 uh, states offering football this fall and 30 of them will have some sort of state tournament and Minnesota is one of the five that will not and uh, I thought that was fascinating that that Minnesota is in that kind of minority. I thought maybe it would have been more of a coin flip. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you as well. I guess it all harkens back to the priorities and how people will uh, are addressing what's going on right now. And uh, it, I, I can't say one way or the other whether those states are making a mistake or whether those states are doing absolutely what they should be doing. Uh, that's, that's not for us to say, but it seems like other people are willing to take different levels of risk um, and... Uh, and that's what all, and the bottom line needs to be measured, what the risk is and how we can mitigate those risks. I, I do like the idea that the State High School League is not, you know, shutting the door and locking it on terms of state tournaments, that they do recognize that their mandate, I think they said this before, is to provide the best possible experience for uh, student athletes, and that includes a state tournament, and that they haven't um, stepped away from the table and, and shut everything down and haven't been visit. Uh, uh, unwilling to revisit the whole issue. That's a positive sign. And I think the high school league uh, should be commended for their willingness to uh, continue to keep the dialogue open and the discussions open, looking further down the road is where we might be in a month or two or three months. Well, and you're right about, we're not here to pass judgment on those 30 states. We'll see how it goes and we'll have our fingers crossed that everybody gets to play and everybody gets to go home safely. And, and that's, that's the ultimate goal. But what it does do, if I'm the Minnesota State High School League, I got a whole lot of places to go look and see what 
what was the result? What do best practices look like? I've got a local cross country meet now that went off uh, seemingly without a hitch. What does that look like? And, and so I think there's a lot of good information at the high school league and, and all along, I, I feel like they've done a pretty good job of, of taking the temperature of things national nationally. Um, I think there's a much more opportunity to do that and, uh, and take that what's, what's been learned and, and, and apply that uh, accordingly to, to the winter sports uh, postseason model. So it'll be, It'll be, it'll be, it continues to be a very fascinating subject that's playing out in, in real time. And, and we'll be there to cover this on starstribune.com, the Preps Insider blog. We'll be here talking about it on Talking Preps. Uh, we'll have you covered. So stay, stay close with us. And as we're staying close to this ever-changing story, and, and in the meantime, be safe and healthy out there. And we'll look forward to talking with you next week.